happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. Oh, that's just beautiful. You like that? I love it. Been saving that all week. uh, Every time we win, we peel a section. Section off Jimbo Fisher? Do you think that's what they have in their locker room right now? (laughs) Hey, now, you guys are getting pretty low here, all right? You're about to show up on private parts. You keep winning games. You win Baylor. You you might see something you don't want to see down there. (laughs) Uh, Brilliant. I tell you what I might have to play if they win tomorrow. People still don't recognize us, but we're contenders now. <laughs> That's the Monday sound <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know. Someone's going to have to explain to me how that's not the greatest movie of all time. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't think we'd be having to use major league analogies to describe this football season, but uh, here we are. Here we are. And it's happened in threes. Well, if you win tomorrow, it's happened in threes this year. Started off with a three-game winning streak, three-game losing streak. And now, hey, tomorrow could be a three-game winning streak. Let's just hope they don't follow that up with a three-game losing streak. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, what are you (laughs) trying to do to us here? Man. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I have no reason to feel this way at all, but man, I feel good about the football game. I'm supposed, this is supposed to be panic time for me, right? It normally is. And late week. Well, here's what's weird about you. And yes, crazy about you is. You know, OU could be rolling at this point as a one-loss or undefeated team inside the top five, and it's like, I don't know how we're going to get a first down tomorrow. But a three-game losing streak, you're the most positive person ever. I think they'll beat Kansas by 28. No big deal. Hell, I think they'll beat Baylor by 17. I'm not even worried about it. Well. It's a new you. It's not that I'm not worried about it. I am my – I think we're going to win the game, and I feel good about the fact that we're going to win the game. But, yeah, I, you know, whenever you had that three-game stretch that we've had this year, I mean, you don't necessarily, like, technically feel great about anything. Like, I'm optimistic, but I'm open that anything could happen, right, even, uh, even something that we, we fear. But I don't know. I like where we're at. I like where our offense is at right now. Uh, I continue to see improvement in our defense, although uh, no one else on the planet does. I'm the oh, – wait, there's – what, there was uh, there was like seven of us on that island last week before Iowa State, whenever I was told by any and everyone that we were going to give up 40-plus points to uh, to Iowa State. Maybe I've – have I gained any, uh, any no, people on the no. island? No, there were seven last Friday, oddly enough. Uh, four of them said, well, Iowa State – Sucks. How can you take anything away from that? Now there's only three left on the island. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, I don't know. I think we're going to perform well. Obviously a much better offense than what Iowa State had to throw at us. A really, really good running game. Going to be a, a really big challenge for us. They're going to go for it on fourth down a lot. That makes life really difficult uh, for a defense that's, that's already had their struggles this year. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is we're at home. I think that our offense is going to have a really nice day, and I think we win the special teams phase. 
and I, I'm, I'm not expecting our defense to go out and have uh, any type of, uh, you know, like shutout or hold them to 10 or hold them to 13. I mean, we're going to give up some points. I understand that, but I'm in a good spot with it. I feel the offense is going to be able to overcome. Well, um, how about like a kind of an evaluation of Baylor? You tell me yes or no yeah. on, on these. Um, sure. Baylor has the best run game. OU will have faced up to this point. Hmm. No. What? No? Who does? Kansas State. Kansas. Okay. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Well, I, think... I mean, if, if you factor in Adrian Martinez in the run game and he was healthy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. But they're definitely at the top. You want to say Kansas State? That's cool. Richard Reese has got like the most rushing touchdowns in the conference, but Baylor's O line's pretty nasty. That's why According I'm factoring those in, too, those guys. to Big 12 statistics, Tyler, the number one rushing offense in the conference. Now, these are conference-only statistics, which, as I've said before, gives us the best picture. Kansas State is the number one rushing offense. Texas Christian University is the number two rushing offense. And then Oklahoma's number three. Baylor comes in at number four. So you're saying no. Final answer. Baylor does not no. have the best run game. All right. Does Baylor well, have the best? No, but they're trending in the, they're trending in the right direction with for their running game. They're getting back on on pace. Does Baylor have the best run run defense that you faced up to this point? Here he no. goes checking the Big Twelve stats again. No, it's ISU, but I think they were number two. Um, actually, after the the huge day we put up on Iowa State, they are now number one. But I think Iowa State's defense is better. Does Baylor have the best coach that you faced so far up to this point? Mm. I'm just trying to find something of the best that Baylor is bringing to Norman tomorrow that you faced so far this year. We're on coach they've got now. The, they've got the best nose guard that we faced this season. <laughs> there ain't no doubt about that one, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, um, okay. Found sure. it with Dave Aranda after winning the conference last know. year. Yeah, won Le- the conference last year. Least personality sure. of any coach in the league, but he is the best coach that you faced up to this point. Not Mickey Joseph or Dana Dimmel or Steve Sarkeesian, who's won for on the road in his career at Texas. It's Dave Aranda. They have the best coach in the conference when it comes to taking a Gatorade bath. There, there you go. Yeah, no, uh, no expression whatsoever. All right, so we found a couple things. Best nose guard. And the best coach. I do feel like it's the toughest game OU has left. And I They are they are the most physical team that we've faced this year. Yeah. Offensively and defensively. It, this is a punishing, punishing football team. Um on both sides of the ball. So I think that is definitely a factor. And hey, you know, we've talked about this, but if this is if this is what you want to claim to be moving forward, is tougher more detailed, more physical than everyone else, where <laughs> here's your test to see how far you've come. Because, buddy, the last couple of years, whenever you've played this game, you know they haven't won it every time, but they've been the more physical team every time. Yeah. At least the last three times we've played. Well, definitely last year, man. Last year was mm-hmm. a um, – last year was a slap in the face 
to you as a program that <laughs> you got a long way to go physicality wise. You got you yeah. aren't even in the same you aren't even in the same stadium as Baylor when it comes to physicality. And tomorrow is it, it, I don't think it's the main storyline, but t- tomorrow is a good measuring stick game of how much more physical you are as a program after a year's time against these guys. That's one of the interesting I things. I feel to like see. yes. I feel like last year they ran the ball like 50 times on us, something like that. It was it was it was not a good not a good day. Um, let's see. Last year they ran it 47 times Jeez. for 297 yards. Dang, Ouch. Man. That's a painful day at the office. Yeah, Woo! it is. No, they're, they're physical on both sides. I, I stumbled across something very interesting today. Richard Reese, we've been talking about him all year long. Now, he is a freshman running back. That's and right. we've seen freshman running backs hit walls in the month of November before. I, I remember when mm. Deuce Vaughn did it um, his true freshman year. Now, Richard Deuce. Reese has had back-to-back games – of 30-plus carries. That's a lot, man. Carried it 30 times against Tech and KU his last two games. I guess there's no real way of proving it because he carried it 30 times last week against Tech and probably had his best game of the year. But I wonder for as good as he's been this year, do we see a guy like that maybe start to hit a freshman wall at this point in the year? My guess would be no, but it's at least something to bring up since we've seen it before. Well... I think that's dependent on how the day goes, right? If yards are hard to come by and you're getting punched in the mouth every time that you you carry the rock, then I I would say there's a good chance of that. you got to remember now, this guy is not Abram Smith from a year ago. Abram Smith was, what, 6'1", 235-plus pounds, former Mike Backer, running this physical downhill running game that – that Baylor has Richard Reese is not that five foot nine 175 pounds Tyler a little bit different story he's me out there running then yeah. got the same body yeah. basically yep and he's carried the the pill what 67 times in the last two games Woo-hoo. now it was Man. against Tech and it was against KU so I mean take from that what you will but yeah he you know he's you know, I feel like a lot of backs, the more they carry it, the better they get. But obviously, with anything else, there is a breaking point. 152 carries on the year, 791 yeah. yards. He's got 12 touchdowns, so I don't really know. 152 carries on the year and almost half of them in the last two games. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So, I, I don't know. He's He's definitely one of the major players tomorrow for sure. Text line says, with Eric Gray's success this year and Levy's commitment to the run, when are we going to see the next big running back commit? Well, you already have uh, two in this year's class. so They do? Probably the 2024 class is – well, I, you got to commit last night. That was from a – that was for a preferred walk-on. I don't know if you want to count that or not. But, yeah, you got two four-stars in this class. Are there any five-star running backs this year? I'm sure there's uh, one or two. Um, but I don't know. I Mixon's, I'm guessing, the last five-star running back that we've had? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I believe that good running backs are 
I, I don't want to say I don't want to say common necessarily, but I think scheme and development, strength and conditioning program can have a lot to do with it. For example, look no further than Baylor last season. Uh, got led the conference in, rush, in rushing by a pretty big margin was Abram Smith. As one year running back was a Mike backer. So I, you should be able to find those guys. And it's not like he was some extraordinary player that they thought, oh, my gosh, we absolutely have to have this guy carrying the ball for us. No, they were out of options and kind of stumbled across him because of uh, running low on the depth chart. So, I mean, I – I would like to to be able to go in and recruit a five-star running back, obviously, but those guys are really few and far between, and it's ultra-competitive for those guys. I, I would I would rather um, I'd rather develop, find guys that we feel like fit the system, and go from there. But you know they're going to get the best guys that they can if they feel like they've got a shot at any of these upcoming five-star backs in, in future classes, DeMarco Murray's going to be yeah. knocking on doors for they're, sure. They're fine. Like, they, again, they got two this year. Uh, Smothers and Hicks are committed. And then you got two last year, uh, Sawchuck and Javante Barnes, who probably going to be running back number one next year. So they're, they're oh, all right. They're all right oh, there. here we are. So it is – uh, November fourth, and uh-huh. you are already predicting who I the best running back of next season is. Wanted be. to get huh. out in front of things. Yeah, I, I didn't want to go into the month of December and you wondering who I think is going to be the best running back next Man. year. I wanted to go ahead and make that obvious. You're welcome. Wow. Okay. All right. Are we 100 percent sure that Gray is gone to the National Football League? Uh, no, but I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> I read an article. I read an article on ESPN last week of like anonymous coaches of who they think are like really late risers in the NFL draft with the way that they're playing this year. And I think Eric Gray was the first guy that was mentioned in the article. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to write, I'm going to give like a couple of anonymous, like next time someone writes an anonymous article, I need to get in on it and just start, you know, anonymous NFL GM guys that should not go to the NFL. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, it, Anton it, Harrison, <laughs> it may Craig. be opposing Big 12 uh, coaches who are like, God, right. I'm going to say this. Get I, I hope here. he is not back next year. Yeah, dude. No, I actually, honestly, I believe that he is, uh, he's one of those players that his game is really well suited for the National Football League. And um, if he decides to go, I wish him all the best. Same thing for Harrison. I really think that if Anton Harrison continues to play well this season, I, there's no doubt that he would get drafted. Yep. But if he stays and plays next season and you know continues to have another really good year of development, I think he could be a, a very, very high – Draft and that's like, that's going to be their first pitch to rounder them at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to get a nice draft grade, I'm assuming, but I'm sure the talk that Beedenbow Venables are going to have is like, yeah, but you got a chance to. Get, they want him back. I mean, he'd be a, he'd be the piece on their offensive line next year. They want him back. Right. I'm going to guess that's their pitch. Just you, you may be a top 15 pick next year. You come back and play well. Right. But I don't know yeah. if that's going to work or not. Well, you know, I I don't know. I, it's probably a little easier than it's ever been to convince guys to to stay for a little bit if they're getting a little piece of the action. But um, 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It, it's really all depends on the personality. Some guys, if, some guys are ready to go to the NFL no matter what their draft grade is. It's like college was fun, not for me. I'm ready to go do something else. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with Anton Harrison, Eric Gray. Can I, is there any anyone else um, you could think of? No one else on the offensive line that I think's played to that level this year. I think it's well, I, Mims obviously. Yeah, he could go at the end of the yep. year. How, do you feel one yep. way or the other about that one? To me, no. it, it, like the last four games could determine a little bit of what that looks yeah. like. No, I agree with that. It's it's hard to know, man. I, I I think everyone, because of the three game losing streak, is is working off some pretty low stock uh, for a big portion of the season, but. Obviously, as you start winning games and guys' numbers are looking better, performing better, right, you know, there's those conversations are starting to happen. But for Mims, I think he needs a blowout game against really good opponent to get back on the 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 real mix nationally. And I know a lot of it is just quick, you know, early narrative. You got to back that up with combine numbers and Senior Bowl stuff and workouts and and everything else. So I the the early on perception doesn't always mean everything. A lot of times it really doesn't mean anything, but that's typically what convinces guys one way or another to go. And right now it doesn't feel like there's there's a, like a real groundswell of people that think he's going to be drafted G- real high. Gabriel could leave. I think Gabriel's going to be back. I feel pretty strongly yeah. about that. Can we real quick uh, tell your story about <laughs> what was it after the Rose Bowl? When you guys were talking like a back of the bus and you realized that you were draft eligible and like you didn't even think twice about oh, yeah. going to the draft. And the best part of the story is when you brought that up to, to uh, Brent Venables. What did, what did he say? Did he laugh at you? Uh, well, no, I, I just um, – whenever we, – we just got done with the Rose Bowl. We stayed in L.A. that night and then like the buses – left the next morning at like 9 a.m. And I'm sitting on the bus and Derek Strait kind of comes up and sits in the seat across the aisle from me. And he's like, hey, man, are you uh, – what do you think? Are you going to go to the draft? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you going to go – you going to go early and go to the draft? I was like, no, I'm not going to the draft. You crazy? What are you talking about? I'm not going anywhere. I'm trying to go home and get some rest, and then we got <laughs> some winter workouts starting like two weeks, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, I'm not going anywhere. And he's like, "All right." <laughs> he just, yeah, I guess I don't know. It was pretty convincing, maybe, because because uh, he didn't yeah. go anywhere. Teddy either, so. talked Derek straight into coming back <laughs> for his senior year. Didn't he win a, an award that season? Yeah, he won Thorpe. He award. won the Thorpe Award. Well, there you go. Yeah. You're responsible yeah. for his Thorpe Award. That's Great that's job. a pretty convincing pitch, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I'm just trying to go Pretty home good. and get some rest. So what are you talking about, dude? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. All right. Rest is Pretty history. Strange. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at an awesome spot today. We are at Jimmy Austin. Now, I get it. Not exactly golf weather out there right now, but you can come in here, hang out at Nosh. Uh, the grill here is excellent. They're open every morning for breakfast. Uh, closed around 7-ish, but they are open to the public.
Football Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, interact with the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. OU and Baylor tomorrow at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. This will be the eighth time since the year 2010 that OU has entered into a game unranked. The eighth time OU is 6-1 in games since 2010 where they are an unranked football team. Kind of an interesting stat. Been pretty good as an unranked uh, team in the past twelve years. Yeah, yeah. So you're telling me we've played? Would you say the last twelve years? Since uh, going back to the start of the 2010 season, yeah, this will be their eighth game <laughs> as an unranked team. So, out of uh, what, almost a hundred games, we've played seven of them as an unranked team. Yep, <laughs> not, not bad, huh? <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? That's the crazy part of that stat. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, listen, we don't find ourselves in, in this type of position very often. We don't lose very many games. We, we have the most consistent program over the last 20-some years. And I'm not suggesting we're not going to lose another game. I'm just saying that um, I, I continue to feel confident about where we are. The only, uh, uh, the lo- only loss as an unranked team since the start of the 2010 season was three games ago against Texas. Six wins. Um, and, and by the way, wait I think a minute. That can't be right. As in, like, you're just saying as an as us team. as an unranked. Yes, yes. What about whenever we lost to Clemson in that bowl game? There's no way we were ranked that year. Uh, I think it's regular seasons. Yeah, regular season oh. games is when it is. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, 42-30 at Tech in 2014. I think Cody Thomas started that game. And the rest of yeah. them, you uh, you went on and won the conference the rest of the unranked uh, games. That, that, uh, the rest of the games you unranked. 52-46 at TCU in 2016. That was a wild game. 53-45 and four overtimes against Texas in 2020. <laughs> 33-14 at TCU in 2020. And then 52-42 versus KU. Uh, a couple of uh, or a few weeks ago, and then of course last wow. week twenty seven thirteen at Iowa State. So, yeah. Well, we'll probably go on to win the conference this year. Probably, right? yeah. Um, well, zero point seven percent chance this week. So I don't see how you don't. You at least hey, play man, for it. I'm telling you, you went through the scenarios yesterday, and I still think that all of the things that you laid out, and I know you're looking for a massive parlay to happen here, but. I think all of those things are likely, except for the what was the one, the West Virginia. We need West Virginia to beat. West Virginia or Kansas to beat Kansas State. That was the one yeah. where I was like, Ugh. That could be tough. Okay. We'll Kansas, see. though, hey, man, let's go. They're, hey, is, they're uh, favored now over OSU. How yeah. about that? So, what's the la- what's the scuttlebutt on the Sanders kid? Is he not playing? I, the the scuttlebutt hasn't changed all that much. I think. What did Gundy say earlier this week? No, oh, I, I hope he. I hope he can play. It'd be great if he could play. <laughs> we expect Daniels to be out there. He's been practicing all week. <laughs> yeah, he also said that uh, Adrian Martinez. Oh, I got sources. He's playing. Yeah, isn't that what he said last week? <laughs> yes, he was. And uh, <laughs> how wrong was he on that one? Ugh. Is that what happened? They were they were all geared up to defend uh, Martinez and. 
he told Derek Mason, oh, prepare for nine. Nine's playing. Prepare for nine all week. That's why they got beat 48 nothing. No, I would love it if uh, one of the journalists showed up to the next press conference and is like, well, what do you think? How'd seven play? What would you think about 12 on that one, uh, that one play over the middle and just started throwing out numbers right back at him? Think he'd miss a beat? <laughs> no, he wouldn't miss a beat. Are you kidding me? Like, um, like whoever knows the most amount of players in college football, Mike Gundy knows more than that person. He just knows them in numbers instead of names. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, um, I I think Kansas is going to win that football game. Tony, that all week. Yeah, and I think you're right. That's ultimately you're the one that convinced me. Um, what? And I'll say this. To me, it doesn't matter if uh, the Daniels kid plays or not. It's all about Sanders. If Sanders is I – mean, it's not even if he plays. It's just like how effective is he. If he's as effective as he was last week, well, you know, hey, uh, it could be a rough day. And Kansas, man, they can put it on you. They can put it on you. I know that. It hasn't been as good here recently for them, but they got a chance to kind of regroup a little bit. Um, they've had their bye week, and I think they're about to be uh, about to be bouncing back with some nice performances. They've, they've lost three straight, but you know they barely lost to TCU, lost by a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to OU by ten, and they were getting skunked by Baylor, but they came back and made that an interesting game in the final five minutes. So they've still kind of been within arm's reach even of the three games that yeah. they lost they're they're not bad again all of a sudden right and that's that's also a a tough stretch of football games like the tcu game they had opportunities there and lost their quarterback in that game still it was a, a seven point football game and um tcu is now still undefeated you know as high as what number seven in the uh the college football playoff rankings so that's turned out Kansas, I think it's still okay to say that was a good loss, right? They're they're one of the few programs out there that can that can say that. But you know, lost to Oklahoma on the road and Baylor on the road; those are not easy games. The Kansas of last year loses all of those games by like thirty five points. Oh, accurate. So, yes, the matchup I'm really interested in is the matchup in Manhattan where. If you want to know kind of the, the differences of the two programs, I think all you have to do is look at the two best players for – or the best player for each team tomorrow. Kansas State's best player, his NIL deal is with a porta potty Texas' <laughs> best player, NIL deal is for Lamborghini. Who do you think wins out tomorrow, the porta potty or the Lambo? Well – if you are a Ferrari fan or owner, you also view Lamborghini as a porta potty as well. Okay, <laughs> I wish I, so, I wish I was in that status. Oh God, no doubt. Um, yeah, I. What am I going to say? I would rather have the Lamborghini uh, nil deal. All right, it, that's let's just call it how it is. I think that is amazing. But here's the thing: uh, football. Is not won by individuals, Tyler. You know this. Baseball is. Okay, well, that was your sport. Yeah. All right, this is a team sport, and KSU has the better football team, all right? I, I just 
I, I love all the media nationally picking Texas to win, and their only logic is because Are they the, really? Yes! It's so annoying. And their only logic is, well, oh, this is a crazy line by Vegas. Like, that's their only logic. They're not actually looking at the fact that Quinn Ewers was hot garbage the last time he played a game, or that Kansas State just destroyed Oklahoma State and they're playing really well. Like No one is looking at that. They're all just looking at the line to determine how they, how they pick the game tomorrow, which is so lame. God, it mm. annoys me. And Texas may win the game tomorrow. I don't know. But for the people that are picking Texas today, it's only because of the line and nothing else. So weird. If Texas wins the game, it will be 100% because of Kansas State. I, I refuse to believe that Texas can go in there and, and be the better team and make the plays. I, it's going to have to be one of those where, like, the real Will Howard stands up, right? Like, the guy that we've seen over the last couple of years that has come in and been just absolutely atrocious for Kansas State is back at the helm. And that instead of the guy that has looked really good over the last two weeks, it's the guy that goes out there, throws the ball to the other team, is like one of nine passing on the day and two fumbles in the pocket. Yeah. That's the Will Howard of the last couple of years. That's what like, – if that happens, okay, then, yeah, I'll take Texas to win the game. I, and and I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I, I just wonder if we've been talking about the wrong quarterback all week long because we've been saying, well, Will Howard, Adrian Martinez, who gives Kansas State a better chance to win? It doesn't matter who plays if Quinn Ewers looks like he did against Oklahoma State and Stillwater. I, I tell you, that was one of the worst performances by a Big 12 quarterback that I think we've seen in quite some time. Not only were the numbers bad, and not only did he have a ton of misses, you saw how bad some of those misses were. They weren't even close, yeah. dude. So if he doesn't play significantly better, Texas is going to get housed tomorrow in Manhattan. Quinn Ewers has got yeah. to be got to be a whole heck of a lot better than he was against OSU. And I'm not like sitting here super confident that that's going to happen. Yeah. He was 19 of 49. That's a 38.8% completion Just percentage. 30 throws in one game. Ooh. With uh, two touchdowns and three interceptions. So, he had a quarterback rating of 43.5. By far his lowest of the year. So, I don't know. I And, and remember, this was the talking point into that game. First true road game that the Ewers kid has played at quarterback and it was an absolute disaster well you got another road game as a freshman first time up to Manhattan and that place you know we know when Kansas State is good and really even when they're not good but you know when they're good that place is be loud tomorrow. a madhouse night game it's it, going to be loud temperature will drop there tomorrow night and Quinn will have to get his sleeves on that Texas boy can't handle the cold yeah yeah weather could play a factor i'm sure if it uh, temperatures dip down tomorrow in manhattan uh, real quick text line says do they make a lambo in that porta potty blue with the brown interior uh the brown or do you want like the dark blue interior right yeah uh yeah the actually it would be like the the black uh interior with like the blue stitching i think the dark blue stitching fair point here too i've needed a porta potty john way more than i've needed a lambo in my life 
It happens mm. three to five times a year, but that thought could happen of, man, I could really use a porta potty right now. I'm in a really tight spot here. Well, okay, and, and that is true. For number one, And of I will course. give you that. I don't, unless you want to hover. I, but if someone was to park a Lamborghini in my garage and say this is yours, then, um, you know, I guess there's no real good way to say this. I'll use the restroom like it, it doesn't even matter where. Okay? It, it does, I mean, it's... Uh, Teddy lives rest, in Goldsby. For, he can go outside anyway. Everywhere's the yeah. bathroom. Yes, that's the thing. Is like, I... I get it, and it's a good point, but still, let's be honest here. Uh, you take the uh, the half-million-dollar Lambo. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on. Hanging out at the Nosh today up at Jimmy Austin. Really good food. Open for breakfast, open for lunch. They're going to be open most days till around 7 or so o'clock. Uh, really good stuff here. Great service. Come see us out here at Jimmy Austin. Rush on the ref, Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman. Interesting uh, leaked audio is out of, uh, apparently it's Georgia head coach Kirby Smart. I showed this video to Teddy earlier today, and I cannot play the video because there's a lot of expletives that uh, Kirby Smart is yelling during practice. <laughs> but someone got a video, and, and I'll read it to you. Keely Ringo, is, I believe he's the guy that had the pick six in the national championship game against Alabama last year to ice it, but he's yelling at him during practice. He's a defensive back. Keely, all this finger-pointing B-blank, Every other team in America, you know what they do? They say, it's his fault, it's his fault, it's his fault. What do they do? Get blank and layups because people don't concentrate. We're trying to simulate this blank like a game, and y'all can't cover blank. Blank! <laughs> He's talking uh, about Tennessee so, hey. getting a ton of layups, like easy touchdowns because people don't concentrate. Right. So, Yeah. Don't concentrate. Don't communicate. Uh, absolutely. And... You know, there's that stuff doesn't happen by accident, right? They there are there are teams and coordinators that are really really good at at scheme. Like you may have something that comes open wide open once in a while, just on a on a random mess up. Okay, that yeah that happens. But when you consistently have free runners running down the field. There's something that they are exploiting in how you adjust with your defense, whether it is uh, a player or just an overall scheme, and they can find the conflict. Like that stuff doesn't happen oh. by accident. They've been doing it so, with Jalen Hyatt. He had five touchdowns crazy, against Bama, it? and then the next week they played. Who was that bad team they played? They had like 52 points at the half. Yeah, I don't think it's because, like, from a fan perspective, it's like Kentucky. How, how do we not? Well, they played another really bad team in between oh, there. I forget yeah, yeah, who that's it was. right. But from a fan perspective, it's we know he's our best receiver. How do you not pay attention to him? Well, it's not always like that. It's kind of they scheme it up that way for him to be wide open. They they put you in conflict to where there has to be a decision made between two or sometimes even three players on the fly 
about who's covering what spot of the field. And, you know, all of that stuff is built in, but whenever you put people in conflict, they make mistakes, and whenever you do it quickly. So, yeah, um, I mean, they, and it ha- it's happened against good defenses. Alabama's a good defense, coached really Shred well. Em. Kentucky, good defense, Shred coached em. really well. And Georgia, we know, good defense, coached really well. And uh, I, that who knows when that audio came from, but, you know, it's apparent that whatever they're going through, they're having some issues in practice as well. So Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, one verse – well, it's not one verse two, but it's a top three matchup. I'm trying to think of, like, one verse two, one verse three matchups in the past 25 years, and if those games have been really close. Obviously, OU-Nebraska in 2000. Um, yeah. It, it was a great game, at least from OU's side. 2001, OU-Nebraska was a good game. Um, 2011, Alabama-LSU wasn't a great game, but at least the score was close. It kind of feels like when you get a matchup of this caliber in the regular season, more times than not, it ends up being an instant classic in a really close game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of – I think tomorrow's going to potentially be the same. I, I, Yeah, yeah, I do too. Now, I think um, clearly – Tennessee has the better offense of the two offenses. And clearly Georgia has the better defense of the two defenses. But I I think it probably works out to where it's pretty much, as we would say on this show, a wash, right? Yeah. I, I, I would say that Georgia's defense is probably – the same levels above Tennessee's defense as Tennessee's offense is levels above Georgia's Georgia's offense, you know. So, um, you know, special teams going to be a factor. Being home for Georgia is going to be a factor. Like that, I don't know. This has to be one of the biggest home games Georgia's had in a long time, too. Like we would think that they'd have something like this in the SEC every other year, but – you know, they only play Alabama once every thirty five uh, once every time Saturn makes its trip around <laughs> the sun, which is once every like twenty eight years. So Yeah, no yeah. George Georgia's you know, they they play Florida in Jacksonville every single year. So their biggest home games in the past fifteen years have all been against Alabama at home and they pretty much lost all those games. They had a game in 08 where Bama was like starting to make their run. Bama had their uh, kind of, you know, they busted out that game. They went to Athens and beat yeah. them down when Georgia wore the black uniforms and everyone was pumped. But no, th- this is the biggest game that Georgia's had in. I, I don't even, I don't even know how long. I mean, well, several, think, several years. Like they they played that opener against Oregon, who was number eleven in the country, and that was a neutral site football game, right? So, what they've got, uh, they played. Number three, Clemson last year to start the season, neutral site football game. Um, they hosted Arkansas early on when Arkansas was number eight. But Pound come on. Them, man. Yeah, like Arkansas is not, which all credit to them for getting that thing turned around. That's a, that's a football team on the rise. But Arkansas's not, even if they would have been, you know, top five in the country, it's not like you need a brand. Sure. The whole state like, of Tennessee we, is going to be in Athens. This weekend, right? Like we've hosted TCU or even Baylor, Texas, or some of those Texas teams. Texas Tech is the perfect example. They were number two in two thousand and eight, and they brought some fans. But I mean, it, it just right. It's, it's not the same as is whenever you host a brand, right? Like whenever we host Ohio State or Notre Dame or you know anyone like that, 
it, it even if they're not ranked high, that's the thing. It's like we hosted Tennessee whenever they were terrible, and it was, they still brought a bunch of fans. Same thing with Nebraska. Like it's just a it just hits a little bit different whenever you've got a brand and a number one beside their name yeah. coming to town, and you're you you're, you're a, the defending national champion. Like that place is going to be insane. Can we just play this game like a spring game format tomorrow? Forget about the Georgia offense versus the Tennessee defense. Can we just do sixty minutes of the Tennessee offense versus the Georgia defense and do that weird scoring system that some people do in their spring game? I'd be yeah, down for that. Sure. Now. Um, I'm going through Georgia scheduling, and in 2019, they hosted number seven Notre Dame, 23-17 football game. This, so, one, this one's bigger than that. That's a pretty big one. This one's oh, bigger. yeah, it ain't close. Not close. I'm looking forward to it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out the Nosh up here at Jimmy Austin. Uh, they've got a full-service bar here. They've got great drinks. Um, they've got great food. Breakfast every day, open till about 7 o'clock or so. Come and check us out. You'll really love the food and the layout here if you haven't been here in a while. Cavens Construction bring you this hour of the rush on a football Friday. CavensConstruction.com if you have an emergency repair at your home or your office building. The boss was at practice. I, I don't know if that was this morning or if that was last night, but uh, he was there for the OU Texas game to show support for Brent Venables during that tough two-game uh, losing streak. But it's nice to see balls around the program because he wasn't at practice or in kind of the – he wasn't around as much during the previous regime. Cool, cool to see him around with BV at the helm. Yeah, yep. Um, there's no doubt about that. Absolute stud. Uh, does a really good job whenever he talks to the team and, and motivates. And, you know, I'm um, – it's I, – I'm interested to know, like – what what does this group of players like know about the boss? You know what I'm saying? Sheriff of Fansville. That's what they say. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I don't know. No, like, I do, you know what the the uh, facility looks like. There's the grates are all over the wall. They, they know who he is. Yeah, but or what he did anyway. You can't capture what he was in a photograph. No, really. no, no, no. You can't. I I definitely agree with that. But. Brent, he, he seems like a guy that's routinely showing them. I know he did for the Nebraska game, showing them old videos of what sure. that rivalry meant. I, I'm sure that he's shown different things to them about who some of those guys were. Right. Which, you know, I was uh, I was growing up whenever Boz was in his heyday, and I don't even think I had like a full appreciation of what it was like whenever he was at the top of his game. All right, that's it for hour number one. More from The Rush coming up, hanging out. Jimmy Austin today. We'll be back. We'll be back.